0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I'm the mayor, Greg Fisher, And if there's one belief in my time as mayor, it's reinforced over and over again that it takes great partners to make great things happen. And we've got no greater partner in the city or in the country with us today for the city of Louisville than our wonderful Congressman John Yarmuth. Welcome, Congressman. Mr. Mayor, good to be with you. How are we doing? Uh, Doing fine. Well, before we get going, I just want to thank you again for your extraordinary leadership. Sixteen years. It's amazing, isn't it? Because people had to twist your arm to run for Congress in the first place.
1: Well, you know, I never, uh, people had asked me initially how long I thought I'd want to serve, and I said, no way past 10 years. That would be it for me. And here at 16, it's hard to believe. And it seems like in one sense that it's gone very quickly, but then when I think about everything that's happened to the country since I've been there, there's a lot that's happened it's been an interesting period in history you've had to deal with it obviously uh a lot at the local level and and so i don't miss the opportunity to to say back at you Uh, it's been a wonderful partnership and i think we've accomplished a lot for for the community yeah
0: no it's and it's been seamless i think for our constituents that are watching that we've been able to be on the same page and just really work for the benefit of our residents here which to me and we're both business guys that happen now to be elected officials has been a really joyful part of my life
1: it has been and one of the things people say what what surprised you the most about being in this role and i said something i never thought about when i was considering running and that was how important it is what an important part of the job it is to just connect with your constituents make them feel they have uh, a connection to their government and that's been easily the most rewarding part of the job
0: yeah I think, you know, people call me the people's mayor. They call you the people's congressman because we like hearing what's going on. That's exactly. the only way that you can really serve your constituents. And I think that's why both you and I got into this business.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that that's, you know, I, I, I've always said that uh, government is the way that we organize our responsibilities to each other. And just that notion that we have responsibilities to each other, regardless of what role we're playing, uh, is, is an important part of what I think has driven you and and certainly me
0: well been a great chapter of my life for sure and i think i can say the same for you yeah, it certainly has so let's talk about that getting things done what a great concept and our people <laughs> deserve it so let's take a look at the next two years in washington looks like we're going to have republican-led congress democratic-led senate of course democratic president how's that going to change things
1: well it's going to change things because obviously uh, the nothing the senate does is going to be able to pass the House, most likely. And I mean, there there may be an exception to that, uh, but nothing major, I would think. And then the House will not pass anything that the Senate will pass or the President would sign. So we're in a uh, pretty much a stalemate for the next two years, I think, in terms of any major initiatives. So when you're thinking about what we were able to do, even with a a slim majority in the House that this, this past Congress, uh, where we were able to pass not just the American Rescue Plan and the in- in- Inflation Reduction Act, but also the infrastructure bill, the, uh, the CHIPS bill, major funding for research. We finally passed some gun uh, gun safety legislation, even though it's terribly insufficient, we need to do much more. But we were able to accomplish some of the things that uh, I would say were major major in, in scope. Uh, When the Republicans had the majority in the House for eight years, uh, some of it during the Obama administration and then the first two years of the the Trump administration, basically they they knew that they couldn't pass anything that President Obama would sign, so they did. They just passed bills that were messaging bills, sending messages to their base. So they tra- basically tried to emasculate the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, and do away with all these uh, regulations that uh, you know I think most people would want to protect. And uh, so they were they were not serious about governing. Now they even shut the government down twice during their their majority. And. <clears throat> Of course, they can, they can do that now. If they refuse to, to pass funding bills, they can shut the government down, and I suspect that uh, we probably will see that at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. You've had an amazing 16 years, uh, and most recently, obviously, chairman of the Budget Committee, which is a huge position, one of the most powerful positions in the country. How'd you get in that spot, and then tell <laughs> us a little bit about, you know, this amazing legislation that's been passed these past couple of years will be transforming our country.
1: Well, it, it's really kind of an accident. And uh, my second term in office, I was on the Ways and, Ways and Means Committee, which is the tax-writing committee, and and you know has jurisdiction over Medicare and trade policy and so forth. But they're fundamentally known as the tax committee. Uh, they get, and they still do. The Ways and Means Committee has three automatic positions on the Budget Committee. I was the most junior member of Ways and Means and so nobody else wanted the last spot on the budget committee so i got it and i found the work interesting i stayed on it uh, a couple terms and then you're term limited by rule on the budget committee but i asked for a waiver to stay on and all of a sudden after four or five terms i'm third in
0: the old guy third
1: in seniority (laughs) and um a woman named Allison Schwartz, who was ahead of me in seniority, she left to run for uh, Senate. I think in Pennsylvania, she was unsuccessful. But anyway, I moved up, and then I was second to Chris Van Hollen, and then Chris ran for Senate <laughs> and won. And here I was, and uh, so it was pretty much I'm an accidental chairman, pretty much. But uh, it's been it's been very rewarding, and uh, you know, having the gavel is really nice but it's it's a lot more work because you now have, now you have two staffs you're managing the committee staff which is actually larger than my personal staff and and it changes the complexion of your own staff and what they do and not not in the best way because i i wasn't on any other committee so my policy people really didn't have much to do uh, and of course, they were meeting with constituents about other pieces of legislation and keeping me apprised of that, but there, it wasn't like they were going to hearings as they would normally do. Uh, so, it does change the, the nature of your role, but again, uh, it's nice being called Mr. Chairman as you walk around the Capitol Hill, and uh, I'm going to get my portrait hung in the budget committee room, which will be nice well, as well. Well, especially
0: when you chair the budget committee like that, because who knew? I mean, you work all, life to, all, all your life to be ready, and then when history knocks on your door, you gotta open it. And you certainly did this and helped usher in, led in the bipartisan infrastructure law, the American Rescue Plan, so many of these type of things that are dramatically changing the face of our nation. When you take a look here in Louisville, from a affordable housing standpoint, mitigating homelessness, workforce preparation, broadband, the list goes on and on. Uh, Reimagining 9th Street over here, we're gonna celebrate that hopefully before the year is over as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, just, uh, how do you, you got these huge billions and trillions of dollars you're working with, but then how does it feel when you personalize it to these local projects?
1: It, you know, when I, the night that we passed the American Rescue Plan, the, we, we had to pass it twice. We passed it in the House, Senate made changes, and it came back and we had to pass it again. When we passed it the first time, um, it was like two in the morning. And I had to stick around because I'd managed the bill on the floor and I had to stick around to do some clerical stuff, and I'm driving home, and I totally lost control. <laughs> Not of the car, just emotional control, because yeah. I just started thinking about how many lives we had helped. Right. Tens of millions of people. You know, virtually every American got a $1,400 check. Uh, the kids we, we lifted out of poverty with the expanded child tax credit. Uh, what we did for cities, what we did for school systems. I mean, you know, JCPS got 300 and something million dollars. The, the city got 380, I think, right. right? Help
0: us through the pandemic.
1: And, uh, allowed, um, the city to do things, as you said, that it wouldn't have otherwise had funding to do. And it was, it was such an interesting process because we'd never faced anything like the pandemic. The, the economy was shut down. We had 20 million people out of work and it was how do you get, how do you figure out how much money is necessary, how, and how do you, how much discretion do you give the recipients, particularly the local governments? And when we had passed the CARES Act uh, a year or so before that, one of the things we heard, and I think I heard it from you as well, is there were too many restrictions on the use of the funds, and there were better ways for us to, to use would have been better ways. So we tried to build that into the American Rescue Plan, creating a lot more flexibility. And yeah. uh, and you know the state got over two billion dollars, state of Kentucky, and <clears throat> they've had some great budget years, yeah. uh, unprecedented, and have been able to do a lot, fixing water systems throughout the state, among other things. So, yeah, you you always um, you want you hope you leave office having made an impact and a lot of times that impact is not necessarily something you can see but in this case we know there was a human impact that we can't see and we know that there was a physical impact that we will see for for generations Generations
0: to come and hopefully make us more competitive as a nation let's talk about some of the decisions that had to be made what i believe you, you knew when we compared ourselves to the great recession took the country, well, some cities still haven't recovered economically from that, but let's say that was a, what'd you call it, a six or seven year recession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we're faced with the pandemic and the economic dislocation that came with that. That's a tough call. You know, and we talk because some of the bills, as you well know, started much larger than what they were. Then we have inflation taking place right now. A lot of reasons for that. It's been interesting to me that the business aspect of the inflation, uh, causing has not been discussed that much, in other words it 's really easy to shut down your business, but they then proved it 's much more ha- much harder to bring it back. so we had all this pressure on demand for goods that just weren 't there. So when you take a look back at how much was invested, what we learned from the Great Recession, and now what 's taken place any any learnings you want to share with us there
1: well i th- I think one of the things that we learned is that when you 're in that kind of urgent situation that you know it you you can't think long term i mean you're basically trying to to salvage the economy you're trying to keep the lights on and you have to accept the fact that there's going to be fraud there's going to be waste a lot of the money is not is going to go where it's not necessarily needed but you've got to get the money out the door and that was i think the main reason that so much of the money went to individuals again that 1400 per person and um, because we knew that that money we knew where it would go. We knew it would be used largely well. <laughs> and uh, we knew that, for instance, the PPP program, the payroll protection plan, which was basically to help businesses meet their payroll when their revenue dried up, we knew there was going to be a lot of fraud in that. But, and we knew that we didn't have the infrastructure set up to actually implement the program the way we all would like it to certainly as business people we would like to because we you know basically said okay small business association <laughs> small business administration this is your deal go ahead and it's however many hundreds of billions of dollars get it out there and they didn't have a staff to do that they didn't have the have the systems in place to do it and so what what i think one of the lessons that i learned for sure is that we we need to think much more carefully about implementation of the programs that we create and and make sure that that for instance we talked a lot about doing in the in the build back better which never passed it ended up being the inflation reduction act but we wanted to commit a couple hundred million billion dollars to child care well and i was talking to the white house and i said you know, it's one thing to say, here, Jane Doe, um, you're gonna, here's a voucher, you're gonna be able to pay for your, your kid's childcare. But if there's no spot for them, <laughs> then that's it's an empty promise. And we talked about early childhood education, that we were gonna make a considerable investment in that. I talked to Marty Polio, JCPS, and Marty said, if we were to do that, free, free uh, early childhood education for three and four year olds, we would have to hire 400 new teachers and build two new schools. And there are already 200 teachers short in their existing classrooms. So where are those teachers gonna come from? And that's one thing that you know, good Democrats <laughs> wanna do big things and we have great ambition, but we don't think about the, the hows as much as we do the what's. And yeah,
0: and so I think I like a big picture question for Americans is, We could be in, let's say, year three of an extended recession right now if the economy was not as stimulated as much as it did. And yes, inflation is not where we want it to be. But these are all choices, right? And it's easy to look in the rearview mirror on a lot of these things. But one of my big themes in politics is grace and empathy, you know, which is lacking in a time of political tribalization. But, you know, if we can kind of try to understand each other's point of view a little bit and say, okay, it's not optimum right now. But you did receive an awful nice PPP loan, didn't you? I didn't see you say no to that. Right. And you benefited yeah. from that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, so that's part of the government work here as well. We're the government. Let's work better to try to get to a better place where we're working together. Yep. Is that an unrealistic uh, perspective in politics in America today? <laughs> no, not at all.
1: Uh, that's the way. It, that's the way it should work.
0: And what do you think is going to take for it to get back there? I mean, at the local level, we work pretty well together. States getting pretty tough in some of the supermajority states. And, of course, mm-hmm. Congress is almost deadlocked with this.
1: Yeah. It's, I don't know what the answer is, and I've had many conversations with many people about it. Uh, one of the things that, you know, in our world, the, the political world, you learn pretty quickly is that people uh, do not deal with the same foundation of information. <laughs> And we live in different com- communication silos. We live in different media silos. And we rarely talk to people who, don't, who aren't on our side. And we've got to figure out a way to have those conversations. I mean, I, you're, in, you're in a little bit different situation than I am because you, you get invited to a lot of different things that aren't really oriented politically. I don't. In 16 years, most of the stuff I am invited to are things that you know, either non-pro- liberal nonprofits put on, or whatever. you know, I go to the universities, and so I'm almost always around people who agree with me, and that's true of my colleagues and the Republicans will say the same thing. They really never have the opportunity, or rarely have the opportunity, to talk with people who don't agree with them, and that's what we have to find a way to do Um, you know empathy is is really really critically important if if we we as democrats don't think about and try to understand the frustration and the alienation that a lot of the people on the right side of the spectrum are feeling then we're we're missing an opportunity and we're never going to be able to Uh, bridge that gap
0: yeah and I think you know here in our home state commonwealth of Kentucky it's easy to see you know eastern Kentucky wants the energy capital of the world but then when America decided to move away from coal those folks were left behind Yep. and we I'm not talking about the environmental impact or anything I'm saying it's like we really needed you when we needed you but goodbye and you're Mm -hmm. on your own now that's not the way we should be treating the American people. So it's easy to understand why you could get pretty darn skeptical of the government.
1: Sure. And, you know, we we can try to have conversations about and make our case that, well, it really wasn't any, what we did. But, you know, in, in many cases we were, at least the perception is that Democrats were in power a lot of this time. And the Republicans have done a good job of blaming us for it, <laughs> for the... And, you know, NAFTA was under Clinton, and uh, so many jobs left the country from that. And, you know, and I, I will say this Democrats are great. I'm, I'm talking stri- strictly on the federal level now. Democrats are great at policy. We're not very good at empathy because we're so engaged in trying to figure out these ambitious programs and how we're going to get them done that we don't take the time to talk to the people and 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 feel their pain as bill clinton did. Yeah.
0: Well, I think fundamentally I think America's America's got to ask herself how we take care of our people. And until we establish a floor where people have know they're going to have housing, they know they're going to have health care, they know they're going to have food, they know they're going to have education and a family supporting wage, we're going to keep struggling through all this. And as you well know, there's a dozen 20 countries in the world that don't have poverty because of the choices that that people mm-hmm. have made on how they're going to take care of each other. To get back to your original point about what government is.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly right. And, you know, what what's complicated, what complicates it in the United States is that we have so many different levels of government. And that's not the case in a lot of other places. They may have a local government and a federal government, but it's, uh, but so you've got one end of the political spectrum that thinks all the authority ought to be at the at the local level or at the state level, and then another party thinks that the federal level ought to be uh, have more authority. And that's a constant tension, and again, I think with the American Rescue Plan, we kind of broke that down and said we're all in this together, we're all going to work together. Uh, I don't know that politically we got a lot of credit for it, but uh, but I think that was an important step forward to say, federal government is the the funder of last resort basically yeah. and so but we trust you at the state and local level to do what's right for your people that was a major statement
0: yeah and we're an imperfect country so the question is, are we smart enough to figure out what we learned and be better now you smile a lot you got a good smile <laughs> but I've never seen you smile more in these last three years or so you've had some beautiful blessings come into your life
1: I have I have uh, JD, uh, three-year-old grandson, and then Rory is our five-month-old, and they are the joy of of my life. I'm sure of Kathy's life too, and uh, fortunately, we're blessed that they live 15 minutes away, so we see them a lot. And uh, you know, we just spent a weekend with them, which was interesting <laughs> away from away from town. And it's that old adage when you you know. Grandkids are great because you can give them back. Uh, when you spend a whole weekend with them, I mean, you, you understand that really well. But they're they're delightful, and uh, it changes your perspective on everything. But you know, my you always you're in this job always for the future generations, right? You know, and th- that was the way I was with with my son before he had his, his two sons, and um, I I worry a lot about. The world that we're leaving them uh, yeah. particularly with the climate situation climate change um, you know I, i'd still worry about the possible demise of our democracy and and the restrictions on our freedoms uh, this one election was reassuring that the american people uh, want to protect our democracy but that could be temporary too so um, that's why I'm not planning to go off into the sunset and go quietly into the night. I'm gonna stick around and and, uh, continue the battle where I can.
0: Well, let's close with that. We had uh, the first Jewish Supreme Court justice here from Louisville, Kentucky, Louis Brandeis. And he would frequently talk about the importance of the most important political office in the country and that's citizen. So you and I, come early January, are gonna be citizens again. So I look forward to continuing the. Battle with you on that front, and just want to thank you for being just a tremendous, awesome congressman for us for 16 years.
1: Well, thank you for being a great mayor, and uh, thank you for your friendship and our partnership. It uh, has meant a lot to me. Thanks, John.